0: You're listening to the Inglewood College Podcast. Inglewood College is a ministry of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. We believe that just because this season is temporary doesn't mean it can't be deeply transformative. Love God. Love people. Serve the world. Tonight we take back up our Shepherd series. So we're back in Psalm 23. We will pick back up with maybe potentially, the most iconic verse out of the psalm. You could argue that maybe the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want is the most iconic and the most recognized, but I think this one is a pretty big deal too. I feel like a lot of people are aware of this one. Psalm 23, verse four says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And there's a reason that so many people know this verse. I think it's because we've all been through some valleys. We all know what its like to walk through some valleys and, and to experience some difficult times, we know what its like to struggle, we know what its like to hurt, we know what it's like to maybe be frustrated, we know what its like to uh, feel overwhelmed maybe even by temptation, um, and I think we know, we all know what its like to be worried about things, to be anxious about things, we know what its like to go through, sort of some dark, uh, maybe some dark nights of the soul, we know what its like to grieve, we know what its like to experience loss, We know what it's like to be afraid, and this verse has become something that a lot of people have clung to in moments like that. When they've been going through something difficult, going through a valley, they will go to a verse like this and and think, hey, even though I face these things, I don't have to be afraid because the Lord is with me. And I I think, you know, it gives us some hope that we're going to make it through this, but like so many other truths in Scripture, we can claim this verse, but it's easier said than done. It's easier said than experienced. You know, we might say, oh, I know the shepherd's with me, so I'm going to make it through this, whatever it is that I'm facing without fear, but then we still feel some fear, right? And so we we know what that's like, and what I want us to do tonight is to go a little bit deeper into what this verse is saying so that we can find real hope, we can find real help and real comfort in this verse and the truth that's here, whether you need that comfort right now for a season that you're in or you're going to need it at some point in the future. And you may even need some of what we're going to talk about tonight to deal with some valleys in your past, to sort of like wrap up and understand maybe even what you've gone through before. So I hope that this, this uh, message tonight is going to be of some help to you. And I'm going to, I'm going to be honest with you, there's going to be three points that I've highlighted as I've gone through this passage, and those things are going to be on the screen. <clears throat> but I think there's going to be a lot of other truths that come out as we just walk through the three points, as we're thinking through this verse and everything that it has to say, there's gonna be some other things that maybe even stick out to you more than the three things that I have on the screen. So by all means, we're gonna pay attention to those things, but as we walk through those things, you may find something totally different that stands out to you, and praise the Lord if that happens, because I want him to use his word uh, to be help to us, whatever that looks like. So if you enjoy points and they help you stay focused, here is the first one. The first point for me, from this text, is to say that the shepherd leads us through dark places on the paths of righteousness. You may remember two weeks ago, the last time we were in this series, we were talking about verse three, and we talked about how the shepherd leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I don't think it's a coincidence that you get to the next verse, and he says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you kind of read the, the two together and say, hey, you lead me in paths of righteousness even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And so God, you know, the way I understand this passage is is to think like, okay, God is leading us along paths of righteousness, and potentially walking through the valleys is exactly what he's doing to lead us through the paths of righteousness, or in the paths of righteousness. That the valleys are involved. That God leading us along paths of righteousness and walking through the valley are not mutually exclusive things. You know that, in fact, he often walks us through valleys and difficulties on purpose and with purpose because he knows where he's taking us. That's one of the things we talked about last week. He knows things that we don't know about the path that's ahead of us. Sometimes we want to get ahead of him. We want him to show us what the path looks like. And instead, I think he would say to us, look to me, and and as you follow me, I'll show you the path. And a lot of times he knows where he's moving us, he knows where he's taking us and that may take us through these times of difficulty and valleys and, and valleys of dark and deep shadow. When you think about this shadow of death, it's actually one word in the Hebrew, shadow of death. It literally means death shadow or deep darkness. And so he may lead us through deep darkness and oftentimes what he intends to accomplish in us along the way to become who he wants us to be or who he knows he is called us to be to get to the place he wants us to go, it's gonna have to be worked out in the midst of difficulty. God knows what he's doing. He knows where he's going with us. He knows what he's gonna accomplish in us through the things that he allows us to face, and that's why we face those things. And in his foreknowledge and in his sovereignty, he already knows what walking the paths of righteousness with him is gonna look like for us, and he doesn't take us anywhere that he has no intentions of us going. So that when we walk through a valley of the shadow of death, it's not on accident, or it's not without purpose. And that opens up a big question for us. Maybe you haven't thought about this question yet, as I've been talking, but here's a question I want us to pose, but then don't have any intention of fully answering, to be honest. Is God responsible for the darkness we face? Is God responsible for the darkness we face? If he's leading us in paths of righteousness, and it means sometimes walking through valleys of darkness, does that mean he's responsible for the things that we face, the difficult things we face? You know, if he's all-knowing, if he's all-powerful and always purposeful with what he's walking us through, then should we assume that he is the one bringing about the trials that we face? And that's a tough question. You know, we think about God as, as loving. We know, he, we know he's loving. We know he's guiding. We know he's sovereign. He, we know he knows all things. But then we get down to the actual like, nuts and bolts of it and what it looks like to go through life and he takes us through something difficult or we deal with the consequences of somebody else's sin in our life that has had an effect on us or we deal with difficult circumstances or we lose someone or a relationship is broken and we're heartbroken. You know, we don't want to think about, oh, did God, did God bring me through this? Was, it, was this what he wanted? Did he want me to have to face this? And that's a tough question. And here's a disclaimer. I'm, again, I'm not gonna answer that question as thoroughly as you might like me to. Honestly, and, and the reason I'm not is because I'm not God. And I don't know fully the mind of God and how he works in all cases. And I think we're all gonna have to be okay with saying things like that. Like, I really don't know the answer to that question. I really don't know what his purpose is in this thing. I'm gonna believe that he has purpose but I don't know how to work that out. I don't know how to uh, understand exactly what it is, like who's involved or why I'm going through the things I'm going through. I think what we have to do is we have to come back to the things that are certain in scripture. We can, you know, postulate all we want. Come up with these questions, these big questions that we, you know, try to find answers for. But I think we have to come back to what he's given us. What has he made clear, right? What do we see in the word? And I think we see a few things in the word that he did know what he was doing, when he created a world with creatures who had free will. He knew what he was getting into with that. He knew that salvation would be needed and had the way of salvation planned before there was ever a need for it. So he knew where things were going. He knew what was gonna happen if he created the world in the way that he did. He knew that brokenness and heartache and sin and consequences of sin, including death, would be involved. And he did it anyways. And you could ask the why question all you want. And you could answer it with, he did it for his glory. He did it out of love for those that he would save. You know, and and we can answer questions like that. We can have answers. and, And sometimes that's just still not enough for us. It's not a full answer. But I think what we need to see is that at the very least, we can say that nothing happens that he does not allow. Nothing happens that he does not allow he is still sovereign, he is very much so active in this world that he has made, and he probably, of course, again, I don't know, I don't know the mind of God, I don't know what all that he does, because I'm not him, but I I think it's probably safe to say that he intervenes to prevent trouble in our lives way more than we know. We may ask, well, why did he allow this thing, Why, why do I have to go through this thing, well, why not something else, why not something more, what has he prevented us from having to go through? At the very least, we know that through salvation, He has prevented us from having to go through eternal punishment and condemnation, eternal separation from, uh, you know, eternal life with Him. Right. So we know that He has spared us of these things through His mercy. What else might He have spared us from? But either way, He still allows, at least for now, valleys of deep, deep darkness in our lives. But He does not allow or cause without love. He does not do this without purpose. And he's absolutely not done with what he has started. There will be an end to pain and suffering. There absolutely will be. We know that in Scripture. We look forward to that day when all of those things will come to an end. There will be an end to the suffering. And he's moving history in that direction. Whether it feels like it's moving very fast or slow to us, he is moving history in that direction. And he is going to bring an end to all these sufferings and these pains, these deep, dark valleys but it is not yet. And as for now, we still walk through these valleys of deep darkness and we have these questions. I think another thing we need to recognize though as we do this is that he is not responsible for sin. He's not responsible for sin. Much of the difficulty that we face in this world is due to sin. We know that either as an indirect result of sin, because sin is in the world, we know we have brokenness, we know that work is hard, we know that we're gonna die, we know that, you know, lots of things. Because sin entered the world, now the world is broken and we deal with broken relationships and all this stuff. We know that that is the result of sin in general. but Then also, we know what it's like to live with the consequences of our own sin. We know what it's like to live with the consequences of other people's sin. You know, people's sin affects us all the time. And he is not the one who is responsible for that sin. He may have known when he created creatures with free will, he definitely knew that sin was gonna come about he definitely knew that he was going to have to deal with sin on the cross himself. So he knew these things were coming. But that does not make him responsible for sin. When a creature with free will, free will, us included, sins, it is our responsibility. He is not the one that is ultimately responsible for those things and the brokenness that those things cause, whether it be internally, externally, you know, like physically or interpersonally. And yet, nothing happens that he did not know would happen, and nothing happens outside of his sovereignty. So there's always more to the story, right? There's more than we can possibly understand, more than we could possibly know, and if we tried to sit here and try to answer all these questions tonight, we'd run out of time because we just keep talking in circles and we'd never get anywhere. We might get somewhere. We might have a little bit of hope, you know, from Scripture if we were to try to dig in and find all the places that speak into something like this, but I want us to know that we can doubt and we can question and we can wonder why all the time, all the ways that we want to, but we must always come back to what he has communicated of himself at the forefront of our, you know, internal debates. We're going to try to hash this out. At the end of the day, we'd have to come back what he's, to what he's clearly communicated, and what he's clearly communicated is his holiness. He does not sin. He does not cause anyone to sin. We come back to his mercy and his grace. The fact that because, you know, we talked about this last week, because sin as existed in the world, because we have sinned, it would be totally within the Lord's rights to bring about death in our lives. The fact that we haven't died at this point, even though we've sinned, is because of his great mercy. We come back to that. We come back to what he said about himself in Exodus 34, that he is uh, merciful and gracious, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. We come back to what he has said of himself about his love, right? And he has put all of this On display, all these things, his holiness, his mercy, his grace, his love, fill in the blank. He's put all of his attributes on display perfectly in Jesus, and the ultimate display of those things on the cross. And both in his life and in his death and in his resurrection, he has made these things clear to us. He has communicated so many things about himself to us, and there's an otherness to him that makes it reasonable for us to just have to accept that we can't understand everything that he does. There's an otherness to him that makes, that makes us kind of like we're obligated to say, look, I can't, I can't get everything that he does. But yet there's also like a nearness to him because of the fact that he came. Jesus came, and that communicates to us everything that we need to know of him. So we don't know all that he's doing, but we do know what he has said. And when, when he communicates to us that he leads us in paths of righteousness as the sheep of his flock, And that we face things that we could only describe as a valley of the shadow of death. When those two things are both true, I think it would do well to see that the paths of righteousness often lead right through the valley. But with purpose and with love. Because he knows where he's going, he knows what he has for us, and he knows what's on the other side of the valley. He knows what's on the other side of the valley. We may only be able to see what's in the valley, where we're at, the difficulties that we're facing, the stress that we feel, the weight that's on our, so, on, on our shoulders, or the grief or the regret, shame. We, we may only know that, but he sees what's on the other side. That knowing he's walking us through these things and he's with us through these things, he knows the person that he is shaping us into by taking us through it. And he knows that the end result is worth us going there and getting, by, getting there by the means of these valleys. And what we need to know is what we talked about two weeks ago. If I keep my eye on the shepherd and walk with him, then I will not miss what he has for me. If I will keep my eyes on the shepherd, even in the midst of this valley, then I will stay close enough to him to to not miss where he wants me to go. And it just might be that what he has for me involves several valleys on the way to Christ-likeness and then ultimately to eternal life. We don't need to try to um, romanticize this life so much. Like that's one temptation of us, you know, just as humans. We, we have these idealized futures that we want. And we pursue those things, we try to run after them, and, and we have kind of a, a picture in our minds of what we hope life will be like down the road. And, and maybe it's not even so much plans for ourselves or even goals. We just, we just know I, I want certain things, I'm hoping for certain things, and we can romanticize this life. And this life and the life that we want can become an idol for us and distract us really from loving the Lord and walking with him. I want you to know that the fulfillment of all of your desires is in Christ and everything that you have ever desired and everything that you will desire at its core, at its root is gonna be fulfilled in eternal life with him and that is gonna be forever. And so when we look at things and we go, hey, all I have, all I can see right now is this life right in front of me and this, this time and I wanna make the most of that and I want it to be amazing. Well, understand, like this is a short, short window in the span of eternity. And if you get caught up in your mind of like, I've got to have this idealized future, I've got to have these things go this certain way, and things don't go that way, we can be tempted to get mad at God. And we can get tempted to say, well, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought when I became a Christian, everything was going to go well for me. You know, he's going to protect me when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to fear any evil because he's going, to, he's going to be there to protect me from all the things that are difficult for me. And we can begin to idolize this life I don't want us to have the romanticized version of things. I want us to recognize what Jesus said. He said, in this life, you'll have trouble. And I don't think he just meant trouble from persecution. I think he meant as long as we're living in this broken world and you still have a sin nature, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be some difficulties. But trust me, take heart, I've overcome the world. That's what he said. He didn't say it's going to be all, you know, walking through fields of flowers and, and fantastic. Your life and your, your path of righteousness, becoming more and more like Christ and leading to eternal life, may have a lot of valley. It really might. It might have up to this point. But I want you to know that even in the midst of these things, there is purpose. Even in the midst of these things, he is good. Even in the midst of these things, he knows what he's doing with you. And there's a sense in which all of this life, you know, there's a sense in which all of this life is walking through the valley of the shadow of death. If you really think about it, we tend to uh, make it into small little valleys. We say, okay, this, there was a season of difficulty that I went through, or there was this time where I was grieving, or there's this time of heartbreak or loss, or um, there was something difficult, like an, an anxious season that I've, that I've been through, or maybe I'm in one of those windows right now of time that's really difficult for me. And we can make it about like little moments, but in reality, if you think about it, we are all walking through a valley of the shadow of death because we're all looking, we're staring death in the face. You know, at some point, we're gonna face that. And we're all living kind of in the shadow of that. And there's things that we face, sure, that feel like ominous and dark and weighty in the moment. Things like that that make us resonate with this language, make us think of, okay, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, maybe not all of life feels like that, but there's also this recognition that as we walk through this life, whether highs and lows or whatever, as we're walking through a broken world riddled with sin and pain, regardless of ups and downs, you could see it all as a walking through a valley with the shadow of death hanging over us. There's not a whole lot about this first point that's comforting or encouraging, um, and I hate to do that. I hate to like be Debbie Downer moment, right? But there's a good there's good news here. It doesn't stop at. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, thank goodness it doesn't just say I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says even though I do, what? I will fear no evil. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And let's admit, when we face it sometimes, or at various times in our lives, we would have a hard time calling anything but evil. We'd for sure call it bad. We look at some of the circumstances and things that happen in our life, and and. We call them bad, and it's okay. We can, we can say that. We can admit that. We go through bad things. We go through hard things. We go through things that are evil. And just because God allows it doesn't mean that we can't call it evil or call it bad. The psalmist doesn't say, I will face no evil. He says, I will fear no evil. You know, I'll face it. It's inevitable. I'm going to face difficulty, but I'm going to walk through the darkness and the gloom that I would call bad without fear why how do we do that he says because you are with me the second point i want us to think about the shepherd is present it's personal and that makes all the difference that's probably a run-on sentence some of you english majors could could tell me but i thought it made sense the shepherd is present it's personal and that makes all the difference the shepherd's there when you're going through the things that you go through Going back to the first week, we've seen that being a sheep of this shepherd makes all the difference. This shepherd is Yahweh. And if I'm his, we said the first week, I lack nothing. And if I'm his, we said the second week, I can find real true rest because I have spiritual rest because of what Jesus has done for me. And then if I'm his, he restores me and he's the one who leads me. And the presence of this shepherd means peace for me because he is Yahweh. He's the creator God the one who made all things, the one who upholds all things. And according to the gospel of John, this shepherd is a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he's not gonna let anything snatch us out of his hand. That's how good he is. And if I am his, I'm always going to be his. And that makes a difference. That makes a difference for me when I'm walking through the valley because I know I'm not there alone. He's there with me. And it's not just any he. This is Yahweh God who is with me. And not only is the shepherd there, it's also personal. Notice the shift. Verses one through three, he's referring to the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. He leads me. He restores me. He leads me. And then he gets to verse four, and he says, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. There's a change there. He goes from referring to the shepherd to speaking to the shepherd. If I know the shepherd, his presence with me is personal. It's personal, and it's enough to keep me from fearing what I'm facing. You know what, David did not know when he wrote this psalm, what he could not foresee, is just how personal and just how close the shepherd would get. David, I don't think there's any way he could have known really what was to come. He wrote this a thousand years before Jesus came, he didn't know exactly that the lineage that through his lineage Yahweh would come in the flesh he wasn't aware of these things he talks about Yahweh the all powerful one the upholder of all that is and says he's my shepherd but he couldn't have foreseen what Yahweh would do the links that he would go to to be that shepherd for us i don't think he could have known i don't think he knew exactly even how deeply we needed him to do what he did that jesus came god the son took on flesh And he walked through this valley of the shadow of death and he did it without fail, without sin. He walked these paths of righteousness that he is leading us on before us. He knows exactly how difficult they are. He knows what it's like to be one of us. In every way, the scriptures tell us that he was tempted like we are. And not only that, he faced grief. He faced pain. He cried. He had emotions. He even in some sense, you could say, had like a a sense of fear, maybe even. I think it'd be hard to to say that's what it is in the Garden of Gethsemane, but a sense of dread, maybe. And he even faced shame, not because of his own sin, but because of ours. He faced shame and dealt with shame, our shame on the cross. So he knows what it's like to deal with that. He knows the weight of dark shadow on himself. And he did all this so that he might rise victorious in the end with victory over death, with victory over these things. He walked the valley and he overcame so that by faith, walking with him, we too could overcome. So that we too might be able to walk through difficulty without fear, be able to reach where he wants us to go. We're memorizing a couple of verses here uh, in our D groups that started off the year uh, over these last couple of weeks. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. I love these verses. If you're in D group and you're trying to memorize and you're like, why did Sean pick these verses? Here's why I picked them, okay? Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those through who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. What he has done should give us confidence facing what we're facing. Because he walked to this valley of the shadow of death and has defeated. He has walked this before me. He knows where this is headed. Not only that, but I know that he has good plans for me. I know that he's working to make me like himself, and I'm gonna face hardship, and I'm gonna face what maybe I could only describe as evil, but I'm not gonna fear because Yahweh God is near, and I have a personal relationship with him because he he came to save me. And one attribute I think we really enjoy celebrating of God is his love, and we absolutely should. Because that is that is a huge attribute. like and, and you can see it, his love is infused in every single other attribute. But man, his love is a perfect love. It's a flawless love. And that perfect love is fully on display in Jesus when he comes to be our shepherd. And you may have heard this verse before. I don't have it on the screen for you, but 1 John 4.18, perfect love casts out fear. He is perfect love. And if he is present with us in the valley, then that casts out fear for us. He literally is perfect love, and he is with us. His presence, the presence of perfect love, casts out all fear for us, and that doesn't mean that we're not still gonna feel fear sometimes. It doesn't mean that we're not gonna feel some sense of anxiety or some sense of worry over things. Okay, It doesn't mean that we're not gonna stress over things or feel some weight as we walk through this valley, but it does mean that you don't face what you face alone, and not only are you not alone, you are with the most powerful one, the one who upholds you, the one who has plans for the things that you're walking through, and the power of fear over you has been broken because Jesus faced death for you and has defeated it. He's defeated the one who had the power of death and tried to hold that over you. So you have victory in Jesus. Because there's someone more powerful with you than anything that you may face, you can not fear. There's one who is more powerful with you than anything that you are going to face. Anything that you are up against right now, anything that you're experiencing, any feelings or emotions that are weighing on you, there is one who is more powerful than those things, and he is with you. And it's personal. And that makes a difference. There is a third thing I want us to see. The shepherd knows how to protect and to keep you. The verse doesn't end with, I will fear no evil for you are with me. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I don't claim to be an expert on how shepherds use rods and staffs, okay? I don't know a whole lot about that. I've done some reading, done some research, I've checked in some things, and uh, I think I'm going to give you my best bet as to understanding why David chose to add these things in. You think about a rod, it may have been used for a couple different purposes. Could have been that the shepherd would use it to protect the sheep from, like, oncoming danger, from, like, predators, you know, like a lion, or a bear, right? And and David would have known what it was like to have fended off predators from sheep before because he, he did it. He was a shepherd. And that may have been one used for a rod, but it also could have been used at times as a way of disciplining sheep to keep them in line. And that's an interesting way of thinking about it as well. And then you go to the shepherd's staff, and that was more likely the typical thing that you think of that a shepherd would have you know, if you saw your, like, mom's nativity scenes growing up, you know, or the picture of the nativity scene, the shepherd with the staff and the little hook on the top. You know, I, I think of that as that's probably the staff. You know, that, that hook on the end probably was used to reel the sheep back in. Now, I can just imagine, like, the picture of a shepherd reaching out with the staff and pulling the sheep back close or pulling it up out of a pit that it fell into, you know, or keeping it from straying off to the path. Uh, to the wrong path. And I don't know exactly how David meant for us to to think through these two things individually, but when I look at the two of them together, I think there's a couple things that David is saying the shepherd can accomplish for us. I think you, you look at these things that the shepherd would use, and he uses these tools to protect and to keep the sheep. Again, you think about the shepherd fending off the dangers that might lurk in the shadows of the valley. It's a valley of deep, dark shadow. You never know. As a sheep, you you could have danger coming from anywhere, right? It could be a scary moment for you, being right there in the midst of a valley and being vulnerable. Or you can almost picture what it would be like for a shepherd to to protect the sheep from from oncoming attack. And again, David knew what that was like because that's something he did when he was younger, and he could probably picture God stepping into the gap between him and his enemies, whatever might be coming after him and defending him like a shepherd would a sheep. And that obviously doesn't mean that the shepherd keeps them from facing hard things. We've already talked about the fact that we're gonna go through valleys of the shadow of death, right? We're gonna go through valleys, difficult times. Just because we know that he uses the rod to protect us does not mean that he keeps us from going through difficult things. We're still gonna face some things that are undesirable at the very least. He doesn't keep us from going through those things. I think the picture for us that we ought to have Of protection here is not keeping me from having to deal with hard stuff, but rather protecting my soul when I go through the hard stuff. When I think about it, I don't think about literal dangers he's keeping us away from, but spiritual danger. Think about it. In those dark times, isn't that when Satan tries to get a hold of us the most? When we're going through difficult things, grieving, experiencing loss, feeling stressed, doesn't temptation sound a little bit more tempting then? It, I, think it, I think it does, because our reserves for fighting off the enemy are often depleted on our own, you know, when we're going through hard, hard things. And it's in those times that sometimes we need someone to come in and protect our souls, and I think the shepherd protects us from the enemy in that way. So it's not that we don't face difficulty or even temptation in the midst of difficulty, but I think what he's saying is that we'll never be overcome by those things, as long as we're with the shepherd. Isaiah 42, 43, verse 2, is a verse that I've written down that kind of <clears throat> comes alongside some of the things that we're saying. He says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. and The flame shall not consume you. He did not say, I'll keep you from the waters, and I'll keep you from the fire. But rather that when you go through it, you are not overcome. You are not destroyed. You know, and I also think about this rod and staff and thinking about it for discipline use, like for course correction for sheep. I think that's one way that he actually protects us. See, God knows what we need. He also knows what we want. He knows what we're going to be prone to be tempted to, right? He knows where we might veer off course, what kind of things might pull us away from walking with him. He knows those things about us. He's aware of these things. And we're often tempted in this way to sort of veer off course, again, when these difficulties arise because sometimes we just want so badly to get out of the situation we're in. We're walking through a valley, we're walking through a difficult season, we're just like, I want anything at all to get me out of this. And he knows what might tempt us, what might be those things that we turn to to try to just forget about the difficulty that we're facing, or try to get out of it fast. He knows what temptations we might be up against, what we might experience, and he's looking out for us in those things. And in those moments, sometimes, he disciplines us or pulls us back from something in order to protect us from destruction. Destruction that we might bring on ourselves by veering off course, by running our own path instead of the paths of righteousness that he has for us. The point of even talking about these things is is I want us to see that in both of these things, whether it be discipline, whether it be pulling back on course or protecting us from uh, oncoming danger, the shepherd knows how to protect us. He knows how to keep us keep us close. And really what it is, he's keeping us close to him. He wants us to keep us close to him because it's his presence that casts out fear. You know, it's his power that overcomes our enemies, not our own. It's his wisdom and his will that know the path, that know the way we're going and how to get us where he wants us to go. So take it as a comfort that you walk with a shepherd who watches over your soul and who keeps you from being lost when you're in the midst of the valley. Take comfort in that. Because when we're in the midst of a difficult season, it can feel like there's no hope. You may have been there before. You might be there right now. But when you're in the midst of something difficult, it can feel like there's no hope. It may, it may be that we don't see a point to what we're going through. You're like, yes, okay, Sean, you told me there's purpose. There's always purpose. God doesn't allow anything, doesn't do anything without purpose. Okay. But I can't see it. That's okay. Do you trust that he is all-knowing? Do you trust that he is sovereign? Do you trust that he knows the path that he has you on? Do you trust that he knows where he's taking you, which is ultimately to be with him? And if you stick with him, he will guide you through what you're facing. Do you believe these things? Are you willing to trust these things? But also in the midst of a difficult season, it may feel like there's no direction whatsoever. It may feel like you're just wandering around in circles. I don't know if you've ever been lost before. Usually we don't get lost nowadays in our car because we have GPS. Uh, But if you've ever been lost before, and you feel like you're going in circles all the time. I have no idea, no direction uh, to what we're doing. Sometimes when, when you're facing difficulty or you're feeling guilt or regret or uh, shame or brokenness, brokenheartedness, man, it can feel like you're just running in circles. Like nothing's ever changing. We're going past the same scenery all the time. I keep dealing with the same thing. I keep dealing with the same temptation. And it just feels like you're going in circles. There's no direction to this. And not only that, you might feel exposed and vulnerable. Open to attack. When you're walking through the valley with, with dark shadows, it may feel like, man, I'm defenseless. What am I gonna do? You know, I, I'm trying to fend off things myself and, I, and we might get wearied in doing that. We, get, and we grow tired. Here's what I want you, you and me to see, both of us. When we're in these things and it feels like there's no direction, we have no idea where we're going and it feels like we're just going in circles. We feel like we're open to attack from every angle. I want us to know that we do not have to be afraid. That we do not have to find our own way through. We do not have to give in to the fear, and the temptation. We do not have to give in to the feelings of being overwhelmed because nothing is out of hand when you're with the shepherd. Nothing is out of hand when he is your shepherd. He is there whether you see him or not. Fix your eyes on him. And I know I say that figuratively. I just said he's there when you can't see him. And a lot of times you can't see him, and that's what makes it so hard to walk through these things believing that he's with you. But in a sense, in a spiritual sense, fixing your eyes on him means to set your attention and your affection on him. To set your mind back on him and the truths of his word even when you can't see him. Remember his victory for you on your behalf. Remember what he did on the cross, and not just in the cross, but raising victoriously on the third day. Remember these things. Recall these things to your mind and take comfort in the fact that he is alive and he's walking with you right now. Take comfort in his presence and in his protection and recognize that this season of struggle is not going to be forever. Even if all of your life looks like a valley, there will be something on the other side. There will be eternal life waiting for us. And that all these things that you face along the way God is using to shape you and this purpose in it and nothing is wasted. You're not lost. The shepherd knows the way and he knows everything that's on the other side of this, this valley for you. And all of it, I can assure you, is good. Whether it feels good in the moment or not. I wanna end this message with a theme verse that we had for a podcast series that we did this summer. It was called Peace of Mind. Um, I think this verse fits here. We finished every single podcast episode with it, and I think it fits with what we're talking about tonight. Here's the verse. Isaiah 26.3 says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So set your mind on the shepherd, trust him, and he will do what no one else can do for you in the valley. He will keep you in perfect peace.